Hey, before we get started, um, I wanted to thank you for all the support and love that we received while our son was having surgery on his brain, and um, that was a week and a half ago. The surgery went uh, fantastic. He has no loss of vision, memory, or speech, which is what we were worried about. He is the exact same kid he was before he went into surgery, which is our only, that was our only prayer. We are very thrilled for that. So, yeah. And uh, so now we just sit and wait and hope uh, there's no more seizures. And uh, uh, it's kind of weird because we've always had another step to take, you know, another test, another thing. And now our step is just to wait. And if you know me, I'm really good at that. Um, What's that? Oh, uh, right. No, uh, right. I'm not very uh, patient. So, um, So thank you. I mean... The, the Facebook posts, the texts, the emails, the dinners, uh, all those things were just, they always seem to come at just the perfect time. And so uh, even just tiny little things. So we, we are just thrilled to be part of this family and uh, we thank you. And um, for those of you visiting, this is exactly why we love this church is that um, it's just a family, and so if this is your first time, second time, third time, we'd love for you to join us. Um, and so we'll, we'll uh, talk a little bit more about that after this service is our annual meeting, um, and what the members do is they vote for the board. We won't even do that because there are five nominees and there's five positions, so there, the board is done, okay? So that, that we just handle that. That's it. We just handle business like this. I mean, it's awesome. Um, and so, uh, but what we're going to be doing is taking the half hour or 40 minutes to just celebrate what we've done, where we're going. We'll give you an idea of some of the changes that are coming. Really great stuff that we're excited about. So we'd love to have you join us as well. We are starting a new series on the story of Gideon. And I don't know what you know about the story of Gideon. Before I started studying the story of Gideon, I knew this. Uh, Israel had some problems. I don't know who didn't like them, but something happened. And so they were in the nation of Israel and um, they had to fight these people. But they had too many people because God wanted it to be less than that. Because God wanted to show that I can do this even with less. And so the Gideon um, is like told he's got to get rid of all these guys and send them home and stuff. And then, and then there was a battle and then um, they won. And, so, uh, and then Gideon's in the hall of faith in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. That's, that's what I knew before I decided I'm going to do a series on Gideon. Okay, because that's just how we roll around here. And, I, uh, and so I began to, before we actually pull the trigger on a series, I actually read the story. Um, and so I did. And so I began to see as we just, I just kept taking pass after pass after pass over that story. Just how much Gideon is like you and I. Um, and how awesome God is in spite of that fact. <laughs> and so that's what we're going to be talking about for the next six weeks. We're going to see how Gideon handles all these different situations, how Gideon gets himself into these situations, how the people of Israel got themselves into this situation, how they get out, and just how awesome God is in every step of this way. And so uh, I'm super glad you're here. Thanks for being here. And let's get started. Here's what happened. The people of Israel, just the, the long and short of it, God gave them a land, the land of Israel. Uh, and so um, they were supposed to go into the land, um, <clears throat> kind of set up camp, 
start going. And their one job was to worship God. If they did that, if they followed his commandments, a bunch of things were supposed to happen. One, God would then be in a position to have the relationship happen the way it was supposed to go. And so there'd be nothing in the way of him blessing them. There would be nothing in the way of him being able to uh, have that relationship flourish. And in doing so, that relationship, that kingdom that he established would be a light to other nations. And they too would do the same thing. This is kind of how, why we think of Christianity in these terms. Of like, like um, the, the job of the Christian is not so much to convince other people. It's to live a life so full of the Spirit of God. And so under the authority of, of our um, Heavenly Father. That other people go, wow, you are really calm in this situation. Wow, you, you, you have a lot of joy even in the midst of this. And they go, I'm interested in that God. So that, that was kind of what was supposed to happen. Well, the people of Israel began to follow other gods. And in this case, they started following the gods of the Amorites. And so like any other loving parent or loving uh, person, if you've ever been involved with a kid, uh, either had your own or you're an uncle or aunt or whatever, and, and um, uh, you know that if they act a certain way, it's going to go well for them or they won't get injured. And so you say to them, don't do this or do this because you love them. And if they do those things, a, a discipline has to come in so that they realize that's bad, that's good, I want the good thing, and then they're able to be safe, and they're able to be blessed, if you will. And this is a God was the same way. He allowed the people of Israel to kind of go through their nonsense, and he kept warning them, don't, don't do that. It's not going to go well for you. The best thing you can do is to follow me, follow my commands, worship me. So they, they continue to worship the God of the Amorites, and finally God says, I'm going to give you seven years of discipline, under the hand of these people called the Midianites. And they were coming from the south. Okay. And so this is where we find Israel. Israel has been in the seven years of the Midianites just coming up and slapping them around. Now the reason why I think a lot of this has to do with us. Is that in a lot of cases we feel that way sometimes. That, that, that we're in a season, and I talked about this two weeks ago when, under, when we talked about the sermon, When God. We, we're, sometimes we get into these seasons where we feel like, man, what, what is going on? And sometimes it's from our own doing, and we're aware of that. Other times it's from our own doing, and we're not aware of that. And other times it's just life. You just got cancer. It wasn't because you sinned or did something else. You just got cancer. Or you, we, know, we either have experienced this or we know loved ones who have. And this is where we find ourselves. Well, what we're going to begin to see over these next six weeks is how, even if, we've, um, even if it's been on our own doing or if it's just life or if it's just um, uh, God wanting to work a deeper work in us, our response should be the same. And so here's the Israelites' response. Start off in uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 2. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. The first temptation we're going to have when bad things begin to happen is we're going to want to pre- uh, create shelters for ourselves. And we do this in all sorts of different ways. 
Sometimes we mitigate. We try to, we try to manipulate the situation to try to create a, a spot. Maybe things aren't going so well at work and we're beginning to worry that our career threatened. And so we start trying to manipulate the situation to make sure we're the ones on top. And if anything happens, those other poor saps below, they'll be the ones who get the pink slip. And, we got, and so we'll do, that's one way we'll create a shelter for ourselves. Sometimes we'll end up in a situation, whether at school, for those of you who go to school, where you feel like you don't have any friends, or you're not really accepted very well, or there's something about your personality that, that is kind of, and so we'll, we'll try to be somebody else, so that we can be hip, or we can be popular, or we can be whatever, and so that's just creating a shelter for ourselves. And sometimes we'll medicate, we'll, we'll, we'll eat, because it just feel, we just press that pleasure button, and so we eat, and then that feels good, and that just creates, it just kind of feels like a, like, this is for me, like, me and a bowl of chips is about the best shelter I can, you know, it's like, if there's a bowl of chips next to me, I just feel safe, okay, right? And it might be that. It might be a bottle of some sorts. It might be something you light up. It might be uh, whatever. It might be a relationship, you're in a relationship. You know it's not the best relationship in the world. You know it's, it's kind of like not even the right relationship. But the thought of being lonely, the thought of being alone is just too much. And so you create a shelter for yourself. This is exactly what the people of Israel did. Now the problem, if you saw the video that we put out uh, just before this series that we put on our Facebook and YouTube, is that uh, caves make really good shelters for the time being. A good shelter from weather, good shelter from, you know, it kind of makes you feel safe. But they can very instantly become a trap because they don't have a back door. And so you, what feels safe at first all of a sudden becomes a trap that has you. And now you're vulnerable. You're isolated. This is the same way. When we get into these situations in our lives, whatever it might be, financial, relational, spiritual, and we create a cave for ourselves, that cave that first starts out as safety becomes isolation and vulnerability. And this is where they find themselves. They're out, they're in a, in a cave. And what, what happened was the reason they prepared all these things is they would plant crops and the Midianites would come in and just wipe them out. Now, in this time, they would pick the right time to attack. And so um, what would happen is if you got to your enemy before the crops were ripe, you could destroy their crops, but then you wouldn't be able to take anything away. If you waited too long and they quickly came in and harvested, then you'd come in and attack, and, um, but they'd already kind of hidden everything. So you had to attack just at the right time. And the crops were ready, but they still haven't harvested yet. And the, uh, the Midianites did this well. As a matter of fact, the Bible says there were so many of them and they had so many camels that you couldn't number them. Now, you probably could number them, but that's just the, a lot of times the way the Bible just goes. There were a lot of them, okay? And so uh, they, they'd come in, they'd come in with war horses or war camels or whatever, and they'd load the camels up and they'd take everything out. And so um, it, it says this. It says they camped in the land... Uh, and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Now, the Bible also says that at this point now, it's not just the Midianites. 
with the, Amidia, with the Midianites are the Amalekites. And the Bible also says, and, and uh, groups of people from the north. So while the Midianites were from the south, now after seven years, it's not only the Midianites, it's the Amalekites and it's people from the north. They're surrounded and they're just getting beat up. That might be how you feel this morning. You know, it started out as a loss of job, now as a loss of a relationship, and now it's just like, oh man, you feel like, man, do I ever catch a break? You know, you, 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 that might be you right now, where it just feels like there's a piling on. This is basically, Judges 6, 5 says it this way. They invaded the land to ravage it. It was just, just getting beat up. And here's where, here's where the people of Israel are. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. They realized what they were doing was not working. The caves, while they kind of helped for a little bit, they weren't working anymore. They, the Midianites were just too good at ravaging the land. And so they needed to call out for the Lord. Some of you are here, maybe even for the first time, because this is where you're at. You've just tried to do, you've tried to be, create the caves. You even decorated them with tapestries and whatever. And tried to make them as homey as possible. And you realize at the end of the day, I can't do this, God. What do I need to do? And so you step through the doors of the church. Congratulations. You realized it wasn't working. And so you're trying something different. And we hope this is a safe place for you to begin that journey. But this is where they were. They were just at a spot where they just said, man, when I talked a couple weeks ago in that sermon, uh, that's where I talked about where I was with our son's epilepsy. I'd gotten to a point where I was just like, all I can do is cry out, out to the Lord for help. Well, what God does um, and what he often does a lot of times is um, he takes this time of vulnerability for the people of Israel who cry out to him and he speaks some truth into their lives. He sends a prophet. And so um, instead of just fixing it, he kind of gives a little teaching moment about, now listen, before we fix this, I need to remind you what got you here. Unless you think it's just, uh, I'm just arbitrary. And so he sends this prophet out. And what the prophet's job is to do is to get the word out that God has a word for them. And so the prophet goes, hey, just a reminder, I'm the God that took you out of Egypt. I'm the God who uh, saved you from Pharaoh. I'm the God that did all these types of things. As a matter of fact, in verse 9, he says it this way. I rescued from you from the hand of the Egyptians and delivered you from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. He's reminding them. Remember when it was like that between us? Remember? Some of you might be there. You're at a time in your life now where you're looking back a decade and going, what, what happened? You, you know where you might be? Sometimes... We just think of this like word to the Lord. Like maybe, maybe your word is I love you. Maybe your word is, some of you right now, your word to the Lord is I, I miss you. I miss what we had. And so God is talking through the, the, the prophet and he says, I drove you out before you and uh, gave you their land. And then he says this, I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not Listen to me. So in our home, we have this term. Everybody's tired of it because we don't like hearing it all the time. But we have this term. That's a you problem. 
okay? Uh, and and uh, we all feel comfortable uh, using that term. So this is the way it would work. I'd be at uh, the dinner table, and I'd be talking, and I'd say, and I don't like this person in church, and I don't like that person in church, and I don't like that person in church, and this person annoys me, and I don't like that. It's something like that, to that effect, right? Uh, and then my daughter would look at me and say, Dad, that, that sounds like a you problem, right? If you don't like this person, you've got an argument with this person. Now, that hasn't really happened. Uh, not a church, uh, but, um, but, but it would be something like that, or, or, or and, and you kind of see it, you, you, you're talking about your, you know, the things, and what's happening, what's happening, and, and there are those around you who really love you, and they might not have that term, but in the back of their mind, they're thinking, that's a you problem, dude, you're the issue there, okay? This is what God says to the people of Israel, essentially. Look, let's just set the record straight, it's a you problem, okay? Now, for some of us, we're in places, dark places, that are not a, 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 a us problem. We, we didn't, you know, and I, I think back to this time. Think of how frustrating it must have been. You're an Israelite, okay? Everyone around you is worshiping the God of the Amorites. And you're telling your family, listen, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't worship those gods. I know everybody's doing it. I know it's hard. I know that you guys are taking a field trip to the Asherah pole. I mean, I get, I get all that and all those things, but just don't do it. And, and then everyone around you is doing it, and then you get disciplined along with the whole nation of Israel. You don't think there were tons of families during that time that were really trying to do the right thing? Of course there were. And yet they end up in the same spot. But the overarching word is the same. It's broken right now. Okay? And that's, where, that's what happens with this, with this prophet. Okay? So here's what happens. This is where Gideon is introduced into the story. And what Gideon is doing is he's threshing wheat, okay? The wheat, you know, it comes and you have to rub off all the chaff. And so there's a, they have these things that do that. And, and then when you throw it up in the air, the wind takes the chaff and leaves the wheat with you. And what they would do in a community is they'd have a, a section of land that was kind of community land that everybody could go and thresh the wheat together. And it became this community thing. It was harvest time. It was all this kind of stuff. You'd, you'd do it and you'd kind of get it together and you'd throw it up in the air. The chaff would get going and the wheat would come down. Well, Gideon was doing that in a wine press. Now, now, normally you do it out in the open because that's where the wind is taking everything away. But if you wanted to hide your wheat, either from the Midianites or other Israelites, you would do it someplace hidden. Why? Because you're creating a shelter for yourself, a stronghold for yourself. You're worried that if you don't take care of your stuff, nobody's going to take care of your stuff. And so the wine press is, has got a wall that comes up and they'd fill it with grapes and then people would say, you've seen this on the Discovery Channel or whatever, people would step on the grapes and they'd get smushed and the grape juice would come out and there they go and, and they'd make their wine. Or they'd make ferment and all that kind of stuff. So, so he's, he's there and I don't know if he's like crouched down, you know, and he's kind of like trying to do it, but there's no wind coming. He's in the, he's in the middle of this wine press. He's hiding. He's hoarding. He's, he's isolated. He's saving. He's trying to make it all work out. The best of his ability. That's where we find Gideon. And the angel of the Lord shows up. And we'll talk about this a little bit more. But when you see this term, the angel of the Lord, um, some 
uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's not an angel of the Lord. It's the angel of the Lord. And in every case, it's the represent, uh, uh, representative of God who is speaking God's words and can make agreements with God's authority. Okay, so it's a, it's a, man, a human or a physical manifestation of the authority of God, which sounds a lot like, yeah, Jesus or Jesus, whichever. Okay, that's, I mean, it, that's, that's it. I mean, it, it's, 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 there, there it is. Now, what happens in the story, and you'll see it if you're, if you're observing the text, it's the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, the Lord. Like, all of a sudden, it just changes. Now, I don't know if all of a sudden, now, the angel of the Lord is gone. I don't know, but you get the sense that when this angel of the Lord is talking to Gideon, it is God talking to Gideon with God's authority. So Gideon's hiding in the wine press, trying to make everything work. This, this, doesn't he sound like you and I? Like, you know, you just, it just feels overwhelming. And so I, this is, I can't do everything, but I can do this. And so I'm going to do this. And this is where he finds himself. And here's what the angel of the Lord says to Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> He's hiding in a wine press. And God comes to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He could, maybe he looks over there. Hey, what? You know, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, hiding in the wine press. Good luck with that. Let me, let me just share a, a few things that I think we see about the Lord. Because what I told you we were going to do in this series is we're going to see how Gideon is a lot like you and I. And we're going to see just how awesome God is. Let me just share with you a little bit. God sees you way different than you see you. I just want you to let that sink in a little bit. For some of you, you think really great stuff about yourself. God sees you a lot different than you see you. Okay. Okay. Some of you don't think of yourself at all. You, don't, you think very little of yourself. God thinks of you very differently than you think about you. And so God shows up and here's Gideon and he says, you're a mighty warrior. And some of you need to hear that this morning. Some of you need to hear that God just come in and saying, you are my princess. You are just everything to me. Some of you need to hear that God is here. I just love you. I accept you. I Man, I just want the best for you. Some of you need to hear, you don't need to do that anymore. You you can thresh your wheat out. I'm with you. Now, of those two things, which one do you think kind of got under Gideon's craw a little bit? Which phrase, either the Lord is with you or mighty warrior, that got him kind of going, well, wait wait a second. I would have thought it had been mighty warrior because you know, he's like, I'm, I'm hiding, so I'm really not. I'm like, come on. Oh, shucks. Oh, okay, I'm a mighty warrior. Now, this Lord is with you thing, he, there was something brewing in Gideon. I was like, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. Like, like almost like the prophet that went around and was saying, I'm the Lord who pulled you out of Eden. That just got, just got him going. Here's what he says. Um, pardon me, my Lord. Again, uh, I'm using American terminology on the Hebrew, but I kind of think it was like this. Like, excuse me? <laughs> okay, are, are you kidding me? He replies, 
If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Now think of that underlying narrative. The underlying narrative is that if God is with you, nothing bad's going to happen to you. But we all know life is life and that bad things do happen. But, but this is deep-seated in Gideon. I mean, Gideon is probably in his wine press, threshing wheat, going, this is not fair. This is not right. I, don't, I, I remember when we used to have lots of wheat. I'm, now I'm hiding. He's very resentful. And this is where he gets to. Why has all this happened to us? Some of you might be there this morning. You're wondering, man, I've done this and I've done that and I've done this. Why are all these things happening to us? And so this is where he finds himself. Okay? And he goes on and he, he references back some different things, almost kind of like riffing off of that prophet. He says, Were all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they uh, said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. He has abandoned us. Now, again, you're God, and you somehow, I don't know how it all works, you either send your representative or you are that representative in physical form or it's Jesus before we gave him the name Jesus. I, I don't know how it all works, but you show up to this dude and he looks you right in the face and says, you've abandoned us. If I were God, and I think I'd make a great one, um, <laughs> I would say, oh, I'll show you abandoned. <laughs> right? You know, like, but here's another thing we learn about our Heavenly Father. He doesn't seem to have a problem with this, although he's also not just going to let that go. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't just smite or smote or smack Gideon. <laughs> he doesn't go after Gideon, but he says, okay, let's, let's talk about this truth a little bit that, that you feel this way. Okay, and so Gideon says, you've abandoned us. And, and some, some of us have felt sometimes abandoned by God. So we know what that feels like for him because Gideon is working so hard to try to make it work in the circumstance that he's in. Here's what the Lord says. Well, <laughs> then go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? In other words, okay, if I'm a man and you go, well, you need to get this done, so why don't you just go in your own strength? Go ahead. Some of us find ourselves there, you know, we're, we're like trying to make it work and, and, and we, 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 we're, we're kind of arguing or bartering with God and we say, God, I just, I just, I need this so bad. I want to, I want to do this. I, I, I know, I know I, I, um, I should be honest in business, but I've got to get this account. This account, our whole family's resting on this account. I got to make it happen. And God says, man, well, go in your own strength and see how that works out. You say, man, I, uh, my sexuality and my relationships and all this kind of stuff, I know you've got a kind of a plan for that, but, I mean, we've been dating for a long time, and, you know, and then they might leave, and I don't know. I mean, this kind of seems like the thing, and God says, man, you think I've abandoned you? You think my stuff, go, go in your own strength. Your kingdom come. See how that works out for you. And your finances kind of making, you know, we, we teach here, um, and again, if you're new, you can take this however you want. We teach here that everything we receive is from God, and so we give God 
back. And uh, some of us do it, some of us don't, but this is what we teach and this is what we believe. And so we will barter with God a little bit. When we get to a place where it's like, a, I cry out, I, this has to happen, you know, God. And so we'll say, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to start giving something to God. And it's like, okay, how, how much, how much are you going to give? You know, and you're like, uh, you know, and God says, look, you want to deal with your own, you want your finances to be yours? Go in your own strength and see how that all works out for you. See if it's less stress or more stress. And so there, there's a sense that God says, go, 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 go have at it. But I'm sending you to do this. We're going to get this thing done. And here's what the Lord says. And here's what he says to every single one of us. As we begin to, like Gideon, start to think, could this really be happening? Like, could this really be a sea change of how I view my life? Like, maybe he didn't really abandon us. And so God says, go in your strength. Am I not sending you? Gideon responds like we would. He says, you know, I, okay, just so we're clear, I'm like from the least family in Israel, okay? So I I have no authority, and I'm the least of that family. So if you think I'm going to go around and like drum up some soldiers out of somewhere, I have no authority to do that. Here's the authority God gives Gideon. And here's the authority God gives you as you look into your life and go, man, I, I've never really stepped out in like boldness and in faith. God says the same thing. I will be with you. As you take that step of faith, as you kind of just step out, God is saying the same thing to you. I will be with you. Now, Think of how awesome this is because if, as we talked about, some of us are in situations that we've brought on ourselves, okay? And, and God said to the people of Israel, it's a you problem, but I'm coming anyway, okay? Some of us are in situations we didn't bring on ourselves. We didn't do anything. We just, this is just what happened. But the answer is the same. We get out of it the same. By pressing into our Heavenly Father in faith and obedience and His accepting his presence as being our sustaining strength. I will be with you. And then he says, oh, and by the way, you're just going to wipe out the Midianites. Now, it, it, if, if Gideon's anything like me, he hates the Midianites. Okay, they're like, they're like the New England Patriots. They're like, like always winning, cheating, all this kind of stuff. Um, now, I'm a, I'm actually a Patriots fan, so I can make that joke. But, but that, that's what it feels like. They hate, they hate them, okay? And so, so he, when he says, I'll be with you, you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. That would be like, well, if that's the payoff, well, then maybe I will listen to what you have to say. The, the better translation of this is, you will strike down the Midianites as one man. It's just going to be like, just bam, it's going to be over. So you can imagine what that would feel like to Gideon. I'll bet when Gideon was in that wine press, and I can't prove this, uh, but I'm just, I just think if I were in the wine press, I'd be thinking about two things. Where, where is God? And if I get my hands on a Midianite, if I could just, if we could just why rally together. Well, I don't know why we don't. I just hate those Midianites, right? Because you're in a wine press trying to thresh wheat. And it's frustrating and it's a mess and it's just a pain. And there's supposed to be wine in there, not wheat. And it's just, everything about it is just like, shows you how messed up it is. So I think this got to Gideon a little bit. And here's what Gideon says. 
That's exactly what I would say. If now I found favor in your eyes, in other words, if this is really going to go down, give me a sign. <laughs> give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Now, the sign that he had that it was really him talking to him was the fact that it was really him talking to him. Like, you don't really need another sign. But to Gideon's defense, this is the problem we had with Jesus, right? Jesus came with all the authority of the Father. He did everything the Father told him to do. He said everything the Father told him to say. But it's like, but you're still a dude. Like, I can see you right there. Like, like give me something. And they said this to Jesus all the time. Give us a sign. Show us a sign. And Jesus was healing people and doing all this kind of stuff. And they're just like, we'd still like a sign. It's like, here's your sign. No, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, that's where he was. And so this is where Gideon is. But that's where I am. Oftentimes when, when God's telling me to take a step of faith, I, I just want to... We had... Um, our daughters took gymnastics, right? Our daughters do all these wacky things and backflips and all these crazy things. And what they do is uh, when you're little and you're going through gymnastics, you have your spotter, right? You know, you've got this trainer. So if you want to do a flip, you, he just tells you to jump. And then he'll just flip you and land you. And, and that's what they do. And they just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And then they, they lift less. And you're doing more of the work. And then, and then they, then they kind of, and then it's, then it's just kind of like one hand. And you're doing everything. And then it's like, and then you'll watch as the, as the kid be able, is able to do it, the, the trainer will just touch him. And it's just that they know, okay, it's going to be okay. That's how I want my faith to go. Okay, why don't you first just twist me? And then, uh, well, then as we've gone several years through this, oh, we'll get to the point where I can do it myself, and then, uh, and then you just kind of touch me or just go, or whatever you do, and then I'll be, everything will be cool. And God so rarely does it that way. He's like, I want you to jump and do a flip. And it's like, I'm going to die. And he says, you're not. I'm, I'm with you. I got you in this. But isn't it true that we're just like, ah, I don't know. It's like going back to the giving thing, you know, because this is a big deal. You know, you go to church, the guy's always talking about giving. So I figure, why not meet your expectations? Okay, so, so it's like it's 10%. Like it's you look at how much you make and you look at 10% and you're like, are you out of your mind? Where am I going to come up with that? So we come up with our formulas. Like I'll do 1.5% 30-day terms. We'll see how that works. And then if it works out good and I get something, then we'll go 90 days, 3%. And so I kind of realized, is it working? And then someone told me if I give them $10, I'll get 100 back. Why don't we try that first? I'll just give you 10 bucks, you give me 100, and then we'll go, I'm off for the whole 10% right now, right? Isn't it hard to just go for it? But that's exactly where God wants to meet us, not just in giving, in every area of our life, to just walk in and you just tell the truth. It's like, yeah, but if I told the truth, I'm going to be exposed. I got you. He's got you. It's okay. Yeah, you'll be exposed. You go in, you tell the truth. I did not do that, or I did do that, or whatever, and you are fully exposed. You're in the middle of your, of your flip, looking down at the ground going, I hope I can land this thing. And he goes, I got you. Don't worry about that. You can tell the truth. You think to yourself, oh, he wants me to forgive, but I'll, okay, I'll forgive for some things. But that one thing, 
I'll never forgive. He says, I'm, I'm with you. I, forgive. Let it go. Right off the debt. It's okay. Ah, okay. Just give me a sign that I know that if I forgive them, you're going to punish them. I just want to know that. God says, trust me. So that's where Gideon is. He says, give me a sign. And then Gideon does what we would do, and he says, there's still got to be something I can do to make this thing happen. And so before the angel of the Lord, or as you can see now, it's switched to the Lord, uh, can give a sign or do anything, Gideon says, I'll be right back. I'm going to bring an offering. So like, don't, don't you know, just hold on. I got, an, I got another idea of how I, can, how I can work the system. And he says, he says, please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. Now I want, I want you to wrap your head around what's happening. Gideon is telling the creator of the universe, wait for me. So God's saying, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to get it done. We're going to take care of the Midianites. They're going to go down as one man. You're a mighty warrior. Don't worry about it. I'm with you. I've done it before. I can do it again. I had to go the seven years because you guys are knuckleheads with the gods of the Amorites. But let's get it done. And Gideon says, oh, can you wait for me? Can you? Because I got, this is, re- what I'm going to do next is really super important. So if you could just stay there. Now, what would you expect the God of the universe to say if it's wait? Now, let me just give you a little insight into my personality and why I'd make a really good God. Uh, If I'm in the line at the store, and and my wife will attest to this because it's happened once, I think. um, And the person starts talking to the checkout lady or man. Like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, seriously? Like you don't have any friends? Again, you can't... (laughs) You can't like, like, why are you making friends with them? They don't, they don't, they don't, they, they want to get done with their shift. And plus they're probably freaked out that there's, that I'm back here. Come on, let's go. What is this? Chop, chop. You know, and it's like, and then, the, and then the checkout person's like, oh my gosh, really? You had a baby? And it's like, yeah, we all have babies. Come on, let's go. And then the person will come out and they'll pull out their checkbook. And I'm like, are you kidding? What is this, a stone age? I mean, come on. Swipe and go, man. Swipe and go. Like the greatest thing that, you know, is coming to Apple Pay. I don't know if you've seen that. I lo- the fact that you can just like go dink and you're out of there. It's like that. And so, so for me, like if someone says, hey, wait, that is a curse for me. Wait? What, what does that even mean? Okay? That doesn't get anything accomplished. Now check this out. This is so uh, free. The God of the universe, who's, who's kind of a big deal. It's told by a guy, hold on, I'm going to create this offering thing. You're going to be really stoked with it, right? It's some unleavened bread and some meat. Here's what God says. The Lord said, I will wait till you return. God has this vision of Gideon that he's a mighty warrior. God has this plan that they're going to they're gonna get Israel back to the way it was supposed to be. And it really all rests on Gideon. And God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. This, the, the thing I want us to see this morning is that for some of you, you see yourself as a failure because you're working on this thing that you keep working on and keep working on and keep working on. And, and, and it's just like you watch other people just, they just don't even struggle with that thing. 
And you're just, you're just trying. It's difficult for you for whatever reason. And, and you know what the Lord's saying? Oh, I'm going to wait for you. I'm not going to smack you around and go, well, how come you haven't gotten here yet? What are you doing? What are you, what are you working on that for? I, that's not, I didn't tell you to go make me th- breakfast. <laughs> I told you, let's go wipe out the Midianites. And he said, hold on, okay, hold on, hold on. I'm going I'm to do it. And God says, I'm going I'm to wait for you. Some of you have been working on, in your marriage. Some of you have been working in relationships. Some of you have been working in your finances. And God's been telling you, come on, step out in faith. Take that step. Get, be done with that. Come on, come on. And you're like, okay, hold on one second. <laughs> and it's like, all right, I'll, I'll wait for you. That is your heavenly father. And that is what I'm hoping we'll see in this next series of Gideon stumbling and fumbling and working his way through this narrative. That in the background, and sometimes not even existent in the story, is the Heavenly Father that's going, you got it. We can get this done. Because he cares more about your wholeness than he does your promptness. God cares more about your wholeness than he does your promptness. He doesn't expect that you'll get it just like that. As uh, We're just going to spend just a little bit of time seven or eight minutes or so, Audra is going to return. And we just take this time to reflect. And we also connect with something of the story, not even necessarily something I said, but something the Word of God said. Are you in a cave right now? And it's time to come out and just take a risk? Are you trying to work the system and you're, you're, you're threshing wheat in a wine press? You're just trying to trying to make it work and you're working so hard and do you need to realize that God is with you and always has been with you do you need to realize that God is waiting patiently for you and that really the time frame is yours if you just take those bigger steps of faith so let me pray for us and we'll, we'll do that and then I'll come up and bless us and then uh, we'll take just a few minutes break and then we'll get going on the annual meeting Lord God we thank you that your word uh, does not return void. That um, even where I've messed up, uh, the word of God comes through clear. So we ask that that would happen. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us uh, in our quiet. In Jesus' name, amen.